0: Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Phil. I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. Uh, If you are new here or this is your first time, please hit like and subscribe below to stay in touch. We'd love to get involved with you and get you involved with our midweek groups. We have so much going on in the church, even during lockdown, and we're really excited about the chance to open up again and to see people in person and to be able to meet together and laugh together and journey together with Jesus. So why not get in contact with us? You can Email me in the links you see next to me on the screen or in the show notes below and we'd love to get you in touch. We've just begun a series of talks for Lent looking at Jesus's heart at the very centre of his being in the run up to Easter. And we're using Dane Ortland's excellent book, Gentle and Lonely, to uh, help us with this. If you want to get a copy, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes below where you can buy it from a great bookstore. Last week, Heather introduced us to the idea that Jesus is, at the heart of everything else, gentle and lowly. That is, he's full of humility and grace. Now, this week, we're looking a bit beyond that uh, theoretical idea to how Jesus meets us and helps us when we are going through hard times, when we're struggling. Before we dig into this in any more detail, we're going to uh, have a lunchtime summary. We always have this. It's the talk distilled down into one sentence that you can remember and repeat to anyone who asks you what you were looking at in this video. And here's today's. In our lowest moments, Jesus understands what we're going through, comes alongside us and never lets us go. In our lowest moments, Jesus understands what we're going through, comes alongside us and never lets us go. In our lowest moments, Jesus comes alongside us, understands what we're going through and never lets us go. Well, this has been a really hard year for many people, both mentally and spiritually. Mentally, as a a parent of young children or younger children, I can identify the experience of stress about work, anxiety about your your kids future and their well-being worry about your own parents. If I'm honest, at times I, I felt less like a, a normal person and more like the Stretch Armstrong toy that I used to play with as a kid, pulled in every direction and looking like it's about to break. They may not have been your mental pressures. For you, it might have been different. If you're a child or a young person, you may well feel frustration at the way that your life has been cancelled by other people. Without consulting you in, feeling powerless to influence that decision or to have any say in it or to direct your own life. You might be lonely because you're missing your friends or anxious about exams or what the future holds for people of your year group. Many older people have experienced the pain of loneliness, of the removal of support services that were lifelines for them. You might have been experiencing that fear of death or of serious illness that suddenly seems so much more real. All of this has made the last year a really hard time for so many of us from a mental point of view. And these stresses and these struggles don't only affect us mentally, they also affect us spiritually. We might wonder where Jesus is in the midst of this. Has he abandoned us? Moreover, in seasons like this, we're often confronted with the reality of our sin. It's easy for sin to hide when stuff's going well. It's brought home to us when isolation and confinement with others make us more prone to showing something of who we are underneath the surface speaking for myself while stretch armstrong may be able to be pulled indefinitely without breaking i certainly can't i occasionally snap and it isn't great for those around me when i do if you've experienced this you're not alone i can certainly say that at some time or other i've experienced all of the feelings that we've discussed so far today there are also sentiments that we find expressed in the Bible as God's people wrestle with the reality of living in a broken and fallen world, of experiencing that disproportionate pain that seems to cause us so much turmoil. In times like these, it's perhaps more important than ever that we learn to come to Jesus to find help and strength in him. So where is Jesus in these seasons of mental or spiritual struggle? Well, we're going to read the Bible together now. I've got my Bible here. We're going to turn to the book of Hebrews. You'll find it after St. Paul's letters uh, in the Bible. And we're going to read from chapter 4, verse 14. So why don't you grab your Bible and you can turn along with me to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. The writer speaking about Jesus in these verses and comparing him to the high priests of the uh, Jewish religious system, therefore he says, "Since we have a great high priest, he means Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses." But we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet just as we are, but he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the other people. This is a short but a vital passage for us to grasp. It shows us both that Jesus is with us in our struggles and that he's able to come alongside us in them and help us. In other words, both that he understands and that he can give us, in the words of the writer, mercy and grace to help us keep firm in our faith. He understands what we're going through and he can give us mercy and grace to help us keep firm in our faith, to hold on to the faith that gives us a hope of future. So, first of all, the writer explains that Jesus is able to sympathise with us in our weaknesses, in our trials. At first, this can sound nice, but a bit distant. In English, sympathising with someone can sound a bit like standing at arm's length, you know, like a a dog, kind of patting them on the head. You say, oh, there, there, isn't it difficult? I I have such sympathy for you, but but I'm actually going to go on with my life. It can seem pleasant, in other words, but ineffective. That isn't what the Bible writer's trying to get across about Jesus. He doesn't mean that Jesus is at a distance saying, oh, isn't it hard for them What he means is that Jesus has, in a deep sense, been with us in the trial. He isn't some far off person saying how awful it must be for you. He's alongside us, walking with us in the situation we find ourselves in. He has that sense of solidarity with us. Yes, St. Paul learned something about this on the uh, Damascus Road when he had his conversion experience. He was on his way from assaulting and torturing Christians in all the Jewish towns. Now, I don't know whether St. Paul ever met Jesus personally. I suspect he probably would have done because he was a Pharisee around Jerusalem at the time when Jesus was killed. But in this occasion, he's not been dealing with Jesus himself. He's been dealing with Jesus's followers, with Christians like us. And he's been hurting them. And as he travels on the Damascus road, he he has this vision which knocks him off his horse and he's blindly he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. In other words, when you're hurting them, you are hurting me. I am alongside them. What you're doing to them, I count as being done to me. Jesus understands what we are experiencing. Because he experienced it himself. He knew our trials and our temptations, the writers of the Hebrews said. He's fully human, albeit he didn't succumb to sin. So whereas I feel like Stretch Armstrong and I snap and and shout at my kids or at someone else, that's not what Jesus did. Dane Ortland puts it this way. Jesus isn't Zeus. Jesus was a sinless man, not a sinless Superman. He woke up with bedhead. He had pimples at 13. He would never have appeared on the cover of Men's Health. He came as a normal man to normal men. He knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured and killed. He knows what it's like to be lonely. His friends abandoned him when he needed them most. Had he lived today, every last Twitter follower and Facebook friend would have unfriended him when he turned 33. He will never unfriend us. He understands what we're going through. But more than that, he's able to help. The flip side of this is that because Jesus knows what it's like to go through the trials we experience and he comes alongside us in them, he is able to help us. This is what the writer to the Hebrews means when he talks about the priest dealing gently with the ignorant and wayward. What he means when he says, come and receive mercy and grace. Whatever we're going through, whatever we've done, when we come to Christ, he deals gently with us. He doesn't scold us or lash out at us. Nor does he simply send us a check like a distant benefactor. He's not some Victorian uh, master sitting in his study, occasionally writing checks to get his wayward nephew out of, out of jail. He comes alongside us and walks through the storm with us. He comes alongside us and he walks through the storm with us. It reminds me of a, a moment in their awesome television series, The West Wing, when a young staffer is struggling He's experienced great trauma and suffering. I won't spoil it for you by telling you what, if you want to go away and watch it. And his behaviour has harmed himself and others, including, in fact, the president. In our situation, we might say that he's both suffered and sinned. When he's coming out of seeing a doctor who's begun to treat him for what's happened to him, he encounters his boss sitting in a chair, the second most powerful man in the White House, waiting for him. How'd it go? Did you wait around for me? How'd it go? He thinks I may have an eating disorder. Josh. And uh, fear of rectangles. That's not weird, is it? I didn't cut my hand on a glass. I broke a window in my apartment. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in the hall. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole, and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole. can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole, and moves on. Then a friend walks by, Hey Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, Yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Long as I got a job, you got a job, you understand? Because Jesus knows what we are going through, how badly it is affecting us, our sin, our doubt, our tears, because he knows the pit we've fallen into, he knows the way out. And so if we let him, he climbs into the hole with us and shows us the way home. And that brings me to my final point. Jesus never rejects or abandons us. He never drives us away or walks away from us. Never, never. This is what Jesus himself says in John chapter 6 and verse 37. All those the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whatever is going on, whatever we may have lost, whatever we may fear for the future, Jesus has never and will never abandon us. In the end, if we were to gain everything in the world, everything we ever wanted, we would not need Jesus any less than we do now. Think about that. If we were to gain everything we ever wanted, we would not need Jesus any less than we do now. We'd still need him. And if we were to lose everything we ever possessed and ever dreamed of, Jesus would not be any less present with us than he is now. If we were to lose everything we ever possessed or ever dreamed of, Jesus would not be any less present with us than he is now. Whatever else may befall us, for good or for bad, he will never drive us away. Never. You know, one of the greatest theologians of the last century was a man called Karl Barth. He wasn't a saint, he was a seriously flawed guy, but he's someone it's worth listening to. Let me explain why. He was a man of enormous moral courage, he resisted the Nazis. He was at the the professor of the German University of Bonn in 1934 when he co-authored the Barman Declaration. Now, you may never have heard of the Barman Declaration. It was a very important document. It called the church to reject any influence by the Nazis on its theology and worship life. And it said Christians owed their allegiance to Jesus and not to Hitler. I mean, not only Hitler, but any political leader who calls us to live in a way that's different from that which Jesus calls us to. Bart and others said, no, we will not. A year later, in 1935, he had to flee from Bonn and flee from his professorship. He lost everything, escaping the country with his life. Because he refused to uh, pledge uh, the oath of allegiance to Adolf Hitler, as everyone in german public life had to do he was also a man of enormous intellect he was very very clever his work has been some of the most influential christian theology of the last 500 years he's an extraordinary figure his biggest project church dogmatics was over six million words long this man could write about christian theology and christian thinking He wasn't a saint by any means, but he knew what it was to be lauded across the world and to flee from his homeland, to write huge works of Christian theology and to lose everything standing up to evil. We might want to listen to such a man. See, towards the end of his life, Karl Barth was asked to reflect upon the most important thing he'd learned as a Christian over the years. Now, I don't know what you would expect him to say. He might say something about standing up to evil. He might say something profound and deeply theological about the nature of Christ or what's going on at communion or the church. He said none of those things. He replied in the words of a children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. All those years fleeing the Nazis, standing up to oppression, writing millions of words of theology, and it comes down to this Jesus loves me. This I know, for my Bible tells me so. You know, whatever we are going through, whatever highs to which we may ascend or lows to which we may fall, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. And he won't abandon us. So how should this affect our lives? I want to suggest three things. First, it should prompt us to worship. Let us hold fast the faith to which we profess. What a friend we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Second, we need to develop the habit of coming to Christ. I say that Very deliberately, the habit of coming to Christ. Spiritual disciplines are vital to walking with Jesus. Habits are what keep us going in valleys. It's easy to feel inspired to walk in mountains, on mountaintops rather. It's hard to keep walking when you're in the midst of a valley. And that's when a habit, when a discipline becomes important. See, Jesus never leaves us, but our experience and sense of him can go up and down. It it can be affected by life circumstances Have we fallen out with a friend? Have we lost a job? Are we facing serious illness? It can be affected by things as small as whether we slept last night, whether we've had enough to eat, whether something's disagreed with us. Our moods go up and down. That feeling of spiritual high and spiritual low can go up and down with them. That's why we need the habit of reading our Bibles, of prayer, of worship, of thanksgiving Actually, it's why sometimes set prayers are, and reading plans can be so helpful. It's why on our playlists and at our church services, we pray the words of the Lord's Prayer. and We pray words confessing our sins to God every week so that when we're walking through the valley, we find the words easy to, to reach for. We develop the habit of it. Develop a steady, regular, repeatable habit of coming to Jesus and commit to it day in, day out for at least three weeks. You will find that you begin to develop a habit that endures for a lifetime and endures when you are down there in the valley as well as up there on the mountaintop. Finally, we need each other. We've looked at how Jesus is with us, but that's also a model for how we should be with each other. We should be alongside one another when we're struggling. We should be encouraging one another. We should be providing help for one another. It's such a privilege to be in a church where we distribute thousands of pounds every year to those who don't have enough money. We, we really do care for one another. There are people in this church who are extremely generous. And if you're struggling, please do get in contact with me and we'll, we'll take care of you. It'll be anonymous. It'll be completely free from strings. We just want to take care of you. Because we want you to take care of us. Because that's what Jesus does. But it's often the more prosaic things, the more mundane things that are where we really find we encourage one another. Come to church when it reopens. Come back to church. Come to our life group meetings. Come to the prayer meetings. Even if you don't feel like it. Support one another with messages of encouragement and uh, hope. You might be the means that Jesus finds to meet with me when I'm struggling. And I might be the means that he finds to meet with you. In our lowest moments, Jesus knows what we're experiencing, comes alongside us, and he never lets us go. Stay tuned for communion.